lecture eleven part two of the groundwork of the christian virtues by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture eleven on the detestable vice of pride part two the antagonism of pride to god is expressed with a terrible power in the book of job and its consequences depicted with a fearful truth the wicked man is proud all his days and the number of the years of his tyranny is uncertain the sound of dread is always in his ears and when there is peace he always expecteth treason tribulation shall terrify him and distress shall surround him as a king that is prepared for the battle for he hath stretched forth his hand against god and he hath strengthened himself against the almighty he hath run against him with his neck raised up and is armed with a fat neck he shall not depart out of darkness the flame shall dry up his branches and he shall be taken away by the breath of his own mouth being vainly deceived by error he shall not believe that he may be redeemed at any price job chapter fifteen verses twenty through thirty one st augustine points out how even light sins may become grievous by the addition of pride even upon those he says who watch and are solicitous not to sin certain sins of human frailty will creep in and though small and few they are sins nevertheless but if pride gives its weight and increase to them they become great and grievous still let devout humility put an end to them and they are easily cleansed by our high priest in heaven pride is not only the greatest but the most blinding of sins it puts the soul in an utterly false position with respect to herself and consequently with respect to everything else and she therefore sees nothing in its true light so that whatever affects the soul is seen reversely from the divine point of view which is the only true one as the soul is turned from god the man is involved in his own shadow and resting mostly on that shadow loses from view the serene light of truth as again the will infected by pride acts upon the fictions of the imagination rather than on the understanding of truth the soul is immersed in error who has not experienced this when inflated with pride against his fellow-man and even against his friend when the heat of anger swells his heart with pride against him he imagines all kinds of evil and malice in him and can see nothing that is good but when he returns to sobriety he is astonished to find that he has been the dupe of such a mass of error as pride closes the soul upon herself in a greater or lesser degree proportioned to its intensity and isolates the mind from what is better she looks not to god but to herself for the standard of truth and justice and the mental eye plunges into the obscurity and disorder arising from the troubled shadows of her own confused and darkened nature st paul has portrayed this condition of soul in describing the pride of the heretical man 
he consents not to the sound words of our lord jesus christ and to that doctrine which is according to godliness he is proud knowing nothing but sick about questions and strife of words from which arise envies contentions blasphemies evil suspicions conflicts of men corrupted in mind and who are destitute of the truth one timothy chapter seven verses three through five pride is not only the blinding but the destructive sin it is not only the venom of the vices but the destruction of the virtues corrupting with its putridity whatever it touches it is both the head and the foot of sin as the venom is in the head of the serpent pride inspired by the devil is the head of the body of sin but when conceived by man it is the foot of that infamous body treading on inferiors spurning equals and aiming at bringing down superiors david therefore prayed let not the foot of pride come near me every other vice is devoted to some one evil work but pride moves in them all to make them malignant and even besets our good works to bring them to ruin vain says st ephraim is every exercise of piety vain is all patience vain all obedience vain is voluntary poverty vain is every kind of discipline however you multiply its pressure if you be destitute of humility for exactly as humility is the beginning and end of all that is good so pride the beginning and end of all that is evil crafty and cunning is this evil spirit and takes many shapes to obtain dominion over men casting nets on every path in which they move the wise man is caught by his wisdom the strong man by his strength the wealthy by his wealth and the beautiful one by her beauty the eloquent one is entrapped by his speech the fine-voiced singer by his sonorous notes the expert workman by his skill and even the beggar by the claims of his poverty in like manner this spirit tempts the spiritual him who has renounced the world by his renunciation him who is temperate and continent by these virtues him who lives in silence by his quiet and solitude him who cultivates poverty by his poverty him who is studious by his facility in learning him who is quick of apprehension by his quickness the religious man by his religious profession and the erudite by his erudition and yet real knowledge and true science are only to be found in conjunction with humility thus doth satan labour to sow his cockle in every field our lord therefore who knows how hard it is to conquer this passion when once it has root in us and how completely useless it makes us despite of all our exertions has given us humility for a banner and a trophy saying when you shall have done all these things that are commanded you say we are unprofitable servants we have done that which we ought to do st luke chapter seventeen verse ten and why should we bring lightness and folly upon us when the apostle admonishes us 
if any man think himself to be something whereas he is nothing he deceiveth himself galatians chapter six verse three as the most deadly and destructive of diseases pride often demands the most desperate remedies as the healing art inflicts deep wounds or takes off limbs to save the body or administers deadly poisons as a last resource to recover life so when we are unwilling ourselves to apply the severe remedies required the divine healer of souls will sometimes permit one to fall into some shameful sin that through its great humiliation the soul may be recovered from her pride we need not quote saint augustine saint isidore or saint thomas on this point since the doctrine and experience of this runs through the scriptures and the psalmist as well as the prophets invoke shameful things upon the proud that they may be humbled and so restored to health and reason but we will give one brief passage from st gregory the man who exalts himself for his virtue returns to humility through vice as the surgeon makes wounds to heal god also makes a remedy of wounds that when stricken with pride through virtue we may be healed through vice we fly from humility but after a fall we cleave to it for safety a special characteristic of pride is its utter injustice the proud man is almost always the least entitled to be so a man solidly just casts a veil of modesty over his acts which adorn them whilst designed to conceal them and which instead of effacing their lustre but tempers their brilliancy so as not to wound the sensitive eyes of envy whereas the arrogant is commonly a vicious man he exacts respect because he fears that it will not be voluntarily rendered he wishes to conquer the homage which he suspects he does not merit he sees not that he is only assuming one vice more which renders all the rest conspicuous note the man who boasts of some quality you may be almost certain he has the opposite defect for boasting has almost always for its end the imposing on oneself or on others pride is a vice of incredible veracity it feeds not only on all evil but on all good things turning all on which it feeds to putridity other vices observe st gregory attack but the virtues that destroy them anger attacks patience gluttony assails temperance and lust destroys continency but pride is not content with the destruction of one virtue it rises against all the members of the soul and as a universal pestilence corrupts the whole body of virtue it bursts upon the mind like a tyrant into a city that he has besieged and drags the wealthiest captives into the hardest slavery for the greater the abundance of virtue if it be without humility the wider will the dominion of pride range over it every other vice remarks st augustine is exercised in evil works to do them but pride is exercised in good works to destroy them following st gregory 
saint thomas enumerates four species of pride the first is when a man ascribes to himself what he has received from god whether of spiritual or corporal good whether in the natural order of providence or in the supernatural order of grace the second is when though the man acknowledges that what he has he has received from god yet he ascribes his gifts to his own merits or so speaks and conducts himself as to lead others to think so the third is when a man arrogates some good to himself that he does not possess or when he endeavours to establish in other persons the opinion that he has this good the fourth is when with a contempt for the less gifted the man affects to have a higher degree of some excellence of which he has but a lower degree whether he claims this excellence in knowledge virtue or skill in the gifts of nature of grace or of fortune there is a fifth species of pride which though it commonly unites with those enumerated is yet a species by itself and that is the pride of ingratitude for to the proud mind gratitude is a badge of dependence it is the open admission that we are indebted for our good to another but this is inconsistent with any original claims to that good or with the notion of its being due to one's merits the proud man therefore would efface all traces of what has passed between the giver and receiver and would cover them with oblivion but the humble are grateful and confess from whom they receive their gifts owing to the many vices which pride animates it presents many faces and as some of these vices are in opposition to each other it will sometimes seem to act in contradiction with itself yet apart from the modification which it undergoes from its union with other vices this may be given as a portrait of its general features the central point of the proud man's character is an intense consciousness of self with comparatively little sense or consideration for what contributes but little or nothing to his self-love yet he reflects his self-love in many things and finds it crossed and interfered with in many more for there is nothing so sensitive or so sore when touched as pride it is as tender as a wound to spiritual things the proud man is short-sighted less from defect of organ than of light from which he is turned by his false position pride makes a man envious and jealous peevish and passionate contentious and disputatious easily provoked he is hard to reconcile especially where his self-esteem is touched for he is suspicious of the kindliest advances fancying them a design to win his submission he has a large appetite for flattery but a queasy stomach for friendly advice which he regards as dictation he is rude and ungenial self-opinionated and meddling ambitious and aspiring as he has no faults or does not see them which appears to him the same his troubles arise from the ill-judged conduct of other persons and especially of his friends 
he is keen however in citing another's faults or in imagining them where they do not appear he is troublesome and ungovernable resolute against reason and stiff against wise counsel contemptuous to his inferiors he is critical to his betters and disobedient to his superiors unfit to govern he is unwilling to be governed with all his show and pretension he is hollow within with all his outward bravery the moral courage inside of him is low and although artificial manners may cloak much that is here described they take nothing of it away from the inclinations of the heart all that we have said goes to show that pride is not only a special vice but a universal vice not only the root of the vices but the malicious element within the vices with the help of st thomas we will explain this further as it is the appetite and affection for our own excellence pride is a special vice having this false excellence for its specific object but as it is a rebellion against god refusing subjection to his law and submission to his will pride is a universal vice to be found in all the vices every appetite of our nature has some good for its lawful object and that good is so far good as it has some kind of resemblance to god nearer or more remote we have an appetite for truth for example but truth has a near resemblance to god we have also an appetite for the things of this world but they have so remote a resemblance to god as to be only a trace of resemblance but everything is excellent in that degree in which it resembles god every virtue is the right and lawful use of some appetite whilst each vice is the unlawful use or abuse of these appetites the rule for the right use of our appetites is the law of god in the light of reason or the light of faith and this rule directs our appetites in their due measure to the good which is their object when our appetite obeys the rule of reason it is good when it goes to an excess beyond the rule of reason the appetite becomes vicious and leads to evil but the fundamental appetite of the soul is for excellence because what is excellent perfects the soul when we exercise this appetite for excellence according to the divine illumination of faith and of the law of virtue it tends to the true greatness of the soul and therefore belongs to magnanimity st paul explains this to the corinthians we will not glory beyond our measure but according to the measure of the rule which god hath measured to us two corinthians chapter ten verse thirteen to exceed this measure in our appetite as we do in seeking for excellence where it is not to be found that is in ourselves and not in god is pride for which reason st augustine defines pride to be the appetite for perverse loftiness pride then is a universal vice in two ways by its diffusion through the other vices and by its effects in them for as god is the final object of the soul 
and charity brings us to god as our final object when the love of god enters into the other virtues and animates them it brings those virtues to god as their final end for whatever we rightly love is subject to the love of god so in the opposite direction the final end of the love of oneself takes us away from the love of god and sets us upon our own excellence and thus everything that we love inordinately in any vice has the love of oneself and of one's own excellence for its final end thus as the love of god infuses its life and rules through all the virtues pride infuses its malice and rules through all the vices it is for this reason that pride is called the root of all the vices and by its diffusion it corrupts all the powers of the soul and not only gives its venom to the vices but destroys the virtues as sin is committed from some special affection that disorderly affection gives to the sin its special character but that same sin may also produce certain effects upon the general conditions of the soul and this makes it a universal sin such in a most singular way is pride which has an effect upon the entire condition of the soul upon all her faculties powers and actions that makes it a universal vice beyond every other every sin is a sin of pride by affection though not the special sin of pride for some are only committed from ignorance or from weakness or from passion but the malice that is in every sin is in the revolt against god against his law or will and this is the effect of pride for this reason pride is hateful to god above all other sins because it is an aversion of the soul from god whilst cupidity is the turning to the creature in preference to god there are therefore two elements in every sin the turning from god the unchangeable good which is pride and the turning to the changeable creature in preference which is cupidity the intensity of pride is measured by the distance to which a soul departs from god a distance not of space but of unlikeness for as we approach to god through the good love of him we depart from god through the evil love of ourselves the nearer we approach to god the more fully we are enlightened by him the further we depart from god the more darkness we encounter in ourselves the psalmist therefore says come ye to him and be enlightened and your faces shall not be confounded psalm thirty three verse six but of those who have gone far from god the book of wisdom says these things they thought and were deceived for their own malice blinded them and they knew not the secrets of god nor hoped for the wages of justice nor esteemed the honour of holy souls wisdom chapter two verses twenty one and twenty two the first departure from god is when one begins to lose one's gratitude and to neglect the worship of god the second and further departure is when one begins to neglect the voice of god in the conscience 
the third is when one begins to love the creature rather than the creator although not yet going so far as to abuse the creature when for example there is a disposition to neglect any commandment of god rather than suffer some considerable inconvenience or lose some considerable advantage of a temporary kind such a one will do no visible wrong so as to give scandal but his intention is relaxed and the conscience is accommodated to circumstances the fourth degree of departure from god is when the interior is neglected and the sense of the presence of god almost lost whilst the man gives himself more ardently to the creature his inward light grows dull and his recollection is lost in dissipation his affections turn upon himself and on what belongs to him and break out in concupiscence the curiosity of the eye awakens evil appetites these awaken the passions and the pride of life springs into action as the sense of god becomes lost by neglect the sense of self under the stimulation of cupidity passes into its place self-esteem swells into elation and the man begins to fancy himself the author of the good that god has given him for his heart is departed from him that made him the fifth degree of departure from god is when the proud man abandons the unchangeable good to give himself wholly to changeable things his pride has perverted his spiritual appetite and he has lost the taste for divine things he then begins to abuse the creature of god both in himself and in others for pride is not only blind but destructive and not only destructive but cruel hardening the heart as nothing else can do turned to sensual tastes as well by passion as by the love of self-elation the proud soul plunges her spirit into shameful and degrading vice the horse-leech hath two daughters that say bring bring proverbs chapter thirty verse fifteen these two daughters of all-devouring pride are sensuality and concupiscence the body is not sated with sensuality when pride has sunk the soul from the better things nor the heart with evil desire the sixth degree of departure from god is when a man not only delights but glories in crime and sins because he is proud of his license he takes his license for liberty and his licentious abuse of the creature for the superiority of dominion the devil was first proud of his nature although it was the work of god and then he was proud of his crime because it was his own work they fall into the depth of degradation whose sin of deliberate malice and find a gloomy satisfaction in their malicious actions who leave the right way as the proverb says and walk by dark ways who are glad when they have done evil and rejoice in most wicked things whose ways are perverse and their steps infamous proverbs chapter two verses thirteen and fifteen and of whom solomon says again 
the wicked man when he cometh into the depth of sin contemneth proverbs chapter eighteen verse three elated with the pride of his sins he despises god and wrapped in the false sense of security he makes light of the enormity of his crimes being blind to their punishment the seventh degree of departure from god is when through a long and studious pursuit of evil in mind and conduct the soul is darkened into oblivion of god and of all that belongs to the salvation of the soul here pride swells into a loathing of the law of god and of the truths of faith and of all authority derived from god of this state the apostle says there shall be a time when they will not endure sound doctrine but according to their own desires they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and will turn away their hearing from the truth but will be turned to fables to timothy chapter four verse three the eighth degree of departure from god is into utter darkness when a man becomes so absorbed in self-consciousness and so exalted in self-love as to lose sight of his creation and of all dependence on his creator even to the mania of self-idolization and the making of himself an element of divinity and consequently the source of all he is or has for as pride runs its course of apostasy from god this is its final end after denying god it comes to the denial of man and the substitution of a human god in his place this is maniacal pride the ninth degree of departure from god and of progress in pride is when not content with his own perdition a man seeks to propagate the evil that is in him and to spread his own corruption far and wide even to this the world of our day has come for fiery zealots are on their destructive mission against god and his christ and against the faith and purity of souls men and even women unite the fierceness with the satanic cunning of pride in evil communication and the corrupting of life like the demons they find their pleasure in diffusing corruption that they may have companions in evil and subjects to its power as it reigns in themselves but from all such evils may humility guard us and jesus christ protect us end of lecture eleven part two